Welcome to Varsity Videos, brought to you by the OHIO Podcast. Here at Varsity Videos, we review and rank sports films from the Super Bowl to the Toilet Bowl. I am your host, Chris Wilds, a self-proclaimed popcorn expert and a podcaster. And today I am joined by my co-host, Eric Boggs. Eric, how are things in beautiful Delaware today? Things are good, my man. We're uh, looking forward to recording another Varsity Videos, and we're getting closer to the football season, and we're in the dog days of baseball season, so all is well. Yeah, absolutely. You know, my and you mentioned baseball. Let me tell you, my Cleveland team, <laughs> your guardians. Is, is, You're still, still refusing mix. to say guardians, are you? <laughs> I'm I'm still holding on, Eric. I'm still. I holding. understand. But I'll tell you, I'm excited. Speaking of baseball, Eric, our movie news this week involves a movie about baseball. Does it now? I don't know if you saw it yet, but the Royal was released on July 15th in limited markets. The Royal tells the story of Willie Mays Aikens, a slugger for the Kansas City Royals whose life was took a drastic turn for the worse due to drug addiction. He was sentenced to prison, and after his release, he struggles to find redemption with his estranged family, his friends, society as a whole, and himself, as he struggles to get back into the game he loves. Now, Eric, this is based on a true story. The film stars Amon Joseph as Willie Mays Aiken, Elizabeth Rome, who a lot of you Law & Order or Buffy fans may know, uh, from her days on TV, uh, Olivia Holguin as Camilla and Nick Bishop as George Brett. Mm. Eric, I'll tell you, I watched a few trailers for the film and it looks really good. Unfortunately, if you or I was to want to watch this movie, it would mean a trip to Birmingham TTUN. Huh. Really? And I just don't get the, the feeling that you and I are going to go to Michigan to check out the film. We'll probably no. wait for that Netflix or uh, Hulu release. Yeah. But I'll tell you, it really looks good. Have you seen anything about this movie yet? So, uh, yeah, I've, I have seen the preview, and I tell you, it does look very, very good. Uh, something that I, is kind of up my alley as, as far as, like, a, a redemption story. So, yeah, so I, I think this is, uh, this is definitely one that's going to be on my uh, need-to-watch list. Yeah, yeah, I agree, but... Uh, as I said at the moment, little out of our area code, so uh, hopefully it gets some Ohio dates here in the near future. So that brings us up to our next segment of the show, Eric, which is one that we have been having a lot of fun with, and that is our 64 movie challenge. Today we are doing the best of the rest film bracket, and we've got four pretty good matchups. Why don't you get us started? Sure, let's jump right in. We'll just work our way down the bracket. So we'll start up at the very top, the number one seed, Raging Bull, from 1980. Of course, this is directed by Martin Scorsese. Um, it has stars Robert De Niro and uh, is a is considered a classic. It's got Joe Pesci in it, Frank Vincent, uh, very good cast of characters, filmed in black and white. So it's got more of this artistic feel to it. And it's the number one ranked film in this bracket. It's going up against what I consider probably the most popular uh, NASCAR film ever filmed in Days of Thunder. Of course, right now, Tom Cruise is uh, is hitting it big with uh, the Maverick movie. So all of his older movies are getting some run as well on television and on streaming services. And, and of course, Days of Thunder is one of those films that a lot of people have been watching lately. It stars Tom Cruise, of course, as Cold Trickle. It's got uh, a favorite of yours and mine, Robert Duvall, in it. Uh, the beautiful Nicole Kidman. Randy Quaid is in this as well. This is just a, a, a really, really good um, drama slash got some comedy in it, but mostly drama and a love story. And uh, seems to be pretty popular with uh, the sports-going uh, crowd as well. So that's Days of Thunder, which upset Victory in the first round so it's a one seed versus a nine seed and um i could go either way to be honest but i do have my favorite in this one uh chris i'm leaning right now towards days of thunder well eric let me tell you i think raging bull as you mentioned a classic very good movie um but you know we've talked about this before maybe a little bit overrated 
I mean, given the cast uh, that they have and Martin Scorsese as director, yeah, it's a good movie, but I think two things hurt it. One, Rocky hurts it. <laughs> Rocky is just such a good boxing movie. I think yeah, that kind you know, of takes true. a little bit away. I agree. I agree. I think that's a good point, and one I hadn't think of, hadn't thought about because there's there there are some really other real some really good boxing movies though that aren't Rocky though that I think oh absolutely Cinderella even... another good one mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. uh, but that being said I do think that the film has some pacing issues tends to lag a little bit especially in the second half of the film where I think some great fight scenes really carry the first half of the film I think it lags in the second half artistically the film is solid. But you know what? I don't think I can give it the nod here. Days of Thunder, one of the better racing movies I've seen. Uh, While it doesn't get the critical acclaim that Raging Bull does, I think, uh, as you mentioned, Cruz, Duvall, Kidman, all give great performances. I think that the action is really good in the movie. And it didn't suffer the pacing issues that we saw from Raging Bull. So for me, I got to go with Days of Thunder. All right. Well, that means uh, you and I both push this movie along, but the the listeners agreed by a vote of 17 to 10, Days of Thunder is the more popular film here. So Days of Thunder is going to take down a number one seed in the round of 32 and move on to the Sweet 16. Moving on to the four verse five, number four seed Kingpin from 1996. Of course, uh, we we actually uh, we actually talked about this a few shows ago. Woody Harrelson, Bill Murray. Again, Randy Quaid is in this one as well. Chris Elliott, uh, great cast. The beautiful Vanessa Angel is in this as well. So Kingpin is just a hilariously good comedy based on bowling. I love this film, to be completely honest with you, Chris. And it's going up against a made-for-TV classic movie that gets a lot of love from people. And that's Brian's Song from 1971. Of course, the news of James Conn passing, I believe it was a week or so ago. Uh, he yeah. is the he is the uh, main actor here, uh, along with Billy D. Williams. Um, uh, one of my favorites, the former Jack Warden. He's just a great actor as well. He's in this as well. Um, Brian's song is good, but boy, does it, it to me, it does just doesn't hold up. Um, the filmography in this thing is lacking. It looks straight up. It looks straight up like a really bad made for TV seventies movie, but the story is so good that I think that pushes it along. But for me personally, Chris, I'm a Kingpin fan. I'm going to go with Kingpin. Yeah. I love Brian's for, uh, Brian's song as far as the story, the real life aspect of the movie, uh, as you mentioned, James Conn, Billy D. Williams, both tremendous actors, and they give good performances. But Kingpin is comedy gold at times. Uh, Woody Harrelson, Randy Quaid, as you mentioned, just play off each other so well. And I think the dynamic between Woody Harrelson and Vanessa Angel is great. I'm, I'm with you. I got to go Kingpin on this one as well. All right. So we're going to go against the listeners here. By a vote of 21 to 17, they went with Brian's song in a very close vote. But with your your vote in mind, we're going to push Kingpin on to the Sweet 16, and that means Days of Thunder and Kingpin in the Sweet 16 in the best of the rest bracket. Very interesting. All right. Moving down to the three verse six, you've got from 1988, a personal favorite of mine, Bloodsport against Ten Cup from 1996. Of course, we'll start with Ten Cup here. You've got Kevin Costner. Uh, Don Johnson, Rene Russo, Cheech Mar- uh, Marin in this one. Um, so you've got some great actors and actresses. Very good love story. Not much golf, to be honest with you. It's more of a love story, but yet uh, still holds up extremely well, despite being uh, 26 years old. My gosh, that film's considered a classic. And of course, this one is a classic, Bloodsport. My favorite John claude Van Damme movie uh, it's got Donald Gibb in it as well, Leia Ayers, and a very young Forrest Whitaker plays in this one as well, as well as Bolo Young, who uh, is famously known uh, not only for this movie, for, but for many martial arts films, playing a great bad guy. Uh, you know my love for Bloodsport here, man. What do you think? Uh, Eric, you know, I'm going to take Bloodsport all day on this one. I mean, Ten Cup, fun movie. I think it's a very charming movie. But the action and intensity in Bloodsport just make this an easy, easy choice for me. Yeah, and by a vote of 23 to 10, 
Bloodsport carries this one in the fan vote as well. So Tin Cup has been eliminated from uh, this year's 64 movie challenge and Bloodsport going on to the Sweet 16. Our last matchup here is a 7 versus 15. Uh, another Kevin Costner film for the love of the game from 1999, a baseball film where Kevin Costner plays an aging pitcher. Uh, who has a love interest. Uh, that love interest is one Kelly Preston. Uh, John C. Riley's in this. Brian Cox is in this. J.K. Simmons. Gosh, J.K. Simmons gets better with time for some reason. Isn't that incredible? The older he gets, the better he gets as an actor. Um, again, another love story, obviously, with Kevin Costner being in it. Uh, but Kevin Costner does baseball movies right, man. Uh, oh, I think, absolutely. I think his love for baseball and the fact that he is a doggone good athlete just it carries these movies. And, of course, Radio, which is a personal favorite of mine, got Cuban Gooding Jr. in it. He he plays a mentally challenged young man who's taken under the wing by Ed Harris, who's the local football coach there at a high school. Um, great cast, but, gosh, this movie to me speaks volumes in – and how our society can be accepting for of people with disabilities. I love, love, love this film. As much as I think Kevin Costner does a great job for the love of the game, I am radio all day long for the upset here. Kevin Costner's going to have a bad day today, Eric. Uh-oh. Because I'll tell you what, I agree. I think Ed Harris, Cuba Gooding, Alfre Woodard, those are all Oscar-worthy performances that they give in this movie. Uh, the story being based on actual events – you know, it's heartwarming. It's a solid story. And, you know, I can't even understand how this movie was ranked at number 15 in this bracket. I just can't. I'm taking uh, radio. Yeah, it, it, to me, it's dumbfounding. But here's the here's the thing. We're going against the fan vote here by a score of 14 votes to eight. So there was six more people for the love of the game than radio for some reason in the fan vote. And uh, your vote, my vote, again, we're going to we're gonna uh, push that over the top, and radio is going to move on to the Sweet 16. So Kevin Costner gets eliminated two times in a row, and you couldn't get two more opposite films in the Sweet 16 and number three, Bloodsport, and number 15, Radio. Wow. That, those are total opposite films, Chris. But, man, this bracket just got super interesting. Nine, number yeah. nine, Days of Thunder. Number four, Kingpin. Number three, Bloodsport, and number fifteen, Radio. The two favorites in this in this entire back bracket, the Wrestler and Raging Bull, are gone. Yeah, yeah, and you know what? We talked about it before. Just bad matchups. Yeah, they they came up against movies that were just you know tremendous films. All right, so we got four new films to add to our flick chart here, Chris. So, so let's dive right into that with the first right. one up being Raging Bull from 1980. All right, and the first film that it's going to go up against is a Kevin Costner film, Draft Day from 2014. I'm a Draft Day fan, so give me Draft Day. Do you really think I'm going to go up against the Cleveland Browns, Eric? No. Not Come at all. on, give me Draft Day. <laughs> All right, next up is a uh, one of your fa- one of your all-time favorites, Little Giants from 1994. Well, that's tough, you know. I, again, you talked about just such different movies. Um I I think without a doubt that if we're looking at the quality of the film, Raging Bull is a much better film. But, you know, there's just something in my heart for Little Giant. Yeah, I I got to go Raging Bull. I've got to I've got to hold true. I can't just take my favorite there. Uh, I don't know, buddy. I was all ready to back you up there. Huh. I tell you what, if I was going to watch a film today, I'd be picking up Little Giants right now. Then well, I, I agree with you there. But like I said, if you look at the artistic value of the films. Sure. Raging Bull is the better movie. All right. I'll I'll cede to you here. We'll go Raging Bull. All right. Uh, from 2000, Love and Basketball. I'll take Raging Bull. Yeah, I'm with you. Raging Bull there. From 1981, Chariots of Fire. Again, I think I'm going to go Raging Bull. I will as well. Boy, talk about two movies that really have some lag issues. No kidding. From 1998, He Got Game. You know, I think I'm going to go He Got Game here, Eric. 
It's, it's hard. Yeah, you know, that that's I'll tell you. De Niro versus uh, Denzel. That's tough. But I think I'm gonna go. He got game. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go Denzel Washington as well. Raging Bull against Johnny Be Good from 1988. You know, here here's where I think my love's gonna win out here. I'm gonna I'm gonna take Johnny Be Good, even though, like I said, Raging Bull probably is the better film. Ooh, I'm with you. I like Johnny Be Good. It's it's fun. Uh, from 2014, Million Dollar Arm. I think Raging Bull is the better film. It, it is. You're right. Which means Raging Bull now sits number 68 on our flick chart. Next up, from 1971, we're gonna go with Brian's song as I tap type that in here and add it to the flick chart. From 1985, Teen Wolf. Give me Teen Wolf. Yeah, Teen Wolf. Brian's song now faces Little Giants from 1994. Again, give me Little Giants. Yeah, I'm with you. I just want to take a step back for a second. Is that the first time I've ever voted for Teen Wolf in a first round, Eric? It is. <laughs> I, I I blew that off as not being shocked, but I kind of am shocked. From uh, 2021, Space Jam, A New Legacy. Here's where I take Brian's song. Yeah, I'm with you. From 1994, Little Big League, uh, Brian's song again. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to go Brian's song. Better story. From 2007, Blades of Glory, again, I'll take Brian's song. Yeah, I will as well. Probably my least favorite Will Ferrell movie. From 2022, Home Team, I'll take Brian's song. Yeah, you know what? Let's flip one here. You want heads or tails this week, brother? Give me tails. Tails it is, and it's heads. Brian's song moves on. From 1986, Rad. Again, I'll take Brian's song. I'm taking Brian's song here. Brian's song now sits at number 95 on our flick chart. Time to add the two Kevin Costner films. Let's start for Love of the Game. And that's from 1999. And it's going up against Teen Wolf from 1985. I'm going to go with For the Love of the Game here. Give me Teen Wolf. Let's flip for it. Tails for Love of the Game wins. All right. uh, From 2000, Replacements. I'll take Replacements. I'm going to take the Replacements here. From 2008, The Express. I'll take for love of the game. Yeah, you know, I really like Kevin Costner, but give me The Express here. Let's flip for it. And it's Tails. The Express wins. From 2011, Warrior. I'll take for love of the game. I will as well. From 2008, Leatherheads. Okay. I know For Love of the Game is the better film here, but I adore Leatherheads. I'm going to take Leatherheads. Yeah, you know, you know I do too, but I, I'm going to take For Love of the Game. All right, we're going to flip again. And it landed on Heads, Leatherheads this time. From 1994, Blue Chips. Mm. I'm going Blue Chips, Eric. You know there's just a special place for me with that one. Let's flip again. Heads for love of the game. 1984, The Natural. I think for love of the game is a better film than The Natural. It's The Natural, but better, in all honesty. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you 100%. For love of the game now sits at number 52 on our flick chart, and we have one more Kevin Costner film to add now tonight, and that is Tin Cup from 1996. And Tin Cup, uh, up first, uh, Teen Wolf from 1985. Give me the wolf. I'm going to take Tin Cup here. All right, we're going to flip again. Tails, Tin Cup wins. The Replacements from 2000. Oh, I'll the Replacements. Replacements. Yeah. The Bronze from 2015. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I you think I'm going to go for Go it. ahead, Eric. I said I'm going to take Tin Cup here, I think. You know what? I'm going to make you flip it. I just – it's an awful movie, but I just love it. And your awful movie wins with the tail, the bronze, ten cup against Warrior from 2011. I'm going to take Warrior. I got to agree with you. 
Glory Road from 2006. That's Glory Road easily. Yeah, not even a question. The Air Up There from 1994. You you know where I'm going with this one. Yeah, we're going to flip for this one. I'll take 10 cup. Heads. That takes the win over the air up there from 2020, the way back. Give me the way back. Yeah, I agree with you there. Tin Cup now sits at number 62 on our flick chart, Chris. So there you have it. All right. Well, I'll tell you what, Eric, that brings us up to this week's film. Why don't you give us a little background on what we're going to be watching today? So what we're going to be talking about was new to me, but not to you, Chris. And I'm so glad that you introduced this film to me. I've been wanting to watch it for a while. And I just never have had the opportunity. And this week gave me the perfect opportunity to watch the Cannonball Run. interesting film to say the least its budget chris was 18 million uh it it grossed 72.1 million back in 1981 it was written by brock yates and directed by hal needham it was produced by albert rudy and distributed by 20th century fox the music was comprised by ray stevens the main actors. Oh my gosh, the 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 list of actors in this film is just amazing, Chris. Led by Burt Reynolds, Roger Moore, Farrah Fawcett, Dom DeLuise, Dean Martin, Sammy Davis Jr. It had the introduction of a young Jackie Chan. This thing had, and and that's just to name a few. I mean, there was still more people than that in Hollywood and the in the sports world, like Terry Bradshaw's in this thing. Yes. Uh just and amazing. I loved him in this movie, by the way. Yeah, uh I, just hilarious. Um gosh, the smooth talking Dean Martin, you know. Uh fantastic cast and hilarious, man. Absolutely hilarious. It's flick chart stats. It has a global ranking of 2,942. It only wins 38% of its matchups. Has a total users of uh, ranked it of 3,745. It's been ranked 33,451 times. Two flick charters have it as the number one as their number one film, and 35 flick charters have it as their top inside their top 20 films. Of all time, Chris. So that's a little bit of the backstory of the Cannonball Run. Why don't you go ahead and run down this movie for us? Okay, so we open on a Lamborghini racing down the road, trying to elude the police. We hear the police on the radio. We find out they've been in pursuit of this car for over two hours. So jump over to a garage where we meet Victor, who's played by Dom DeLuise, and JJ, 
uh, played by Burt Reynolds, who are kind of the two lead characters in the movie. Victor's running late because Eric, one of his hamsters, is having issues. Yes. <laughs> this is where we get the first talk of the Cannonball Run and, and of him. Him, of course, being Victor's alter ego, who J.J. clearly does not like. Next, we see a casino, and we see Jimmy the Greek. And he has taken a bet from Fenderbomb, who is played by Sammy Davis Jr. We then kind of jump back to J.J. and Victor. And Victor, at this point, has turned into him, also known as Captain Chaos. And they're driving down the road, and they run off the road. After this happens, we're back at the casino. Fenderbomb is still talking with the Greek about the race and introduces his partner for the race, Jamie Blake, who is a former Formula One driver and a fall-down drunk. Next, we see JJ and Victor flying in a small plane. And they're discussing what they're going to drive since, well, they've wrecked their car. They considered a blood mobile, an ice cream truck, and a limo with diplomatic plates, which, by the way, is foreshadowing Cannonball Run 2. <laughs> when JJ realizes, hey, we're out of beer. So what does he do? He lands his plane right on a city street so that Victor can run into the convenience store and grab some beer. Then JJ says, I, let me tell you, I love this line, Eric. He goes, we could get a black Trans Am. Of yeah. course, that's alluding to his role in Smoking in the Bandit. Right, right. Before yeah. he's like, nah, that's been done. Yeah. <laughs> so they take back off, and then we're in this luxurious mansion where we are introduced to Seymour Goldfarb, who is a rich kid pretending that he is Roger Moore, who, by the way, is played by Roger Moore. We next see J.J. and Victor racing in a boat across the water. Victor's freaking out, trying to get him to slow down, but he wrecks the boat, and they find themselves being transferred to the hospital in an ambulance. And then they discover exactly what type of vehicle they want to use for the race. So after this, we kind of jump over, and we see a Chinese talk show where Jackie Chan and his partner are being interviewed about their completely computerized car. He and his partner begin arguing a little bit as his partner is trying to show off a little bit for one of the female guests on the show. Then we hop over to the Middle East where we're introduced to the Sheik, played by Jamie Farr. Eric, I love Jamie Farr, by the way. Mm-hmm. Hilarious. The Sheik is determined to win the cannonball run despite being mocked by his guards and his sister. Then we jump over to Brad as we're being introduced to all the, the uh, contestants. Uh, who is played by game show host Burt Convy. He intends to win the cannonball run with the help of a motorcycle and his friend Shaky Finch. Brad introduces himself to the crowd in a great way. He drives a motorcycle out of the back of a plane and sings as he's falling to the ground. Then we come up on a few of my favorite characters, and that's Terry and Mel, played by Terry Bradshaw and Mel Tillis as they're trying to outrun the police in a car that looks like it came right out of a 1970s NASCAR track, completely the big old Hawaiian Tropic logo right on the hood. All of a sudden, the hood flies up on the car, and they end up wrecking into a backyard swimming pool, and we're successful in eluding the police. Then we kind of take an interesting turn, because we find ourselves at a conservationist concert. And this is where we meet Pamela, played by Farrah Fawcett, and Arthur Foyt. Pamela's at the conference because of her love of trees. And Eric, she has a very interesting reason for loving trees, but you'll just have to watch the movie to find out what that is. As Mr. Foyt is speaking, Mel and Terry are trying to dry out and repair their car. They rev up the engine, blow the windows out of the conference room. We meet Mad Dog and his partner next as they arrive at the hotel where all the cannonballers are gathering. Mad Dog drives his pickup right through the lobby, right in or right through the hotel and into the lobby, where he, he meets or where he meets up with uh, JJ and Victor. The manager of the hotel approaches because of the accident, and since you know JJ and Victor, are, of course, dressed as paramedics at this point, 
He thinks a man is seriously injured and laying on the couch. After some debate about whether or not they're going to help him because it is their day off, JJ throws water on the patron, who we find out is actually Mr. Foyt, and he's just fine. The Sheik arrives at the hotel next and rents an entire floor. Then we go to a scene with Foyt and Pamela where they're kind of dining uh, and all the racers are coming in. He discovers exactly who all these guys are and makes it his personal mission to stop them and end the race. During the bar scene, we're also introduced to two other racers in Marcy and Jill who are played by Adrian Barbeau and Tara Buckman, who are two beautiful cannonballers who attract the attention of every guy in the film, including J.J. and Victor, as well as Blake and Fenderbomb. As the cannonballers kind of mingle through the bar, and after being shot down by Marcy and Jill, J.J. sees Pamela, who he affectionately refers to as Beauty, and is instantly smitten. So, Eric, that's kind of the introduction to the characters. What did you think of that first segment of the movie? So, right away, I am taken back to my childhood in this film. Do you remember, Chris, and I think it was Hanna-Barbera had a cartoon called Wacky Races. Yes. Where all these different cartoon characters would race in some course and there would be some. Oh, yeah. Like Scooby-Doo would race and. Yeah. I mean, they're they're almost <clears throat> almost all of their cartoon characters would get together and have these crazy races, right? And there was this one evil, menacing bad guy, and he had his dog. He would laugh at him every time. I forget what his name was, but uh, anywho, Peppermint Patty had she would race in the in these races. Yeah, this was wacky races with real people, is what this was, and um, I loved it. It was it, it took me back to my childhood. Obviously, this film cannot be made today with some of the jokes oh, that were yeah. being played. Um, there was racial jokes. There was sexist jokes. There was just jokes for the sake of jokes. There was fat shaming jokes. And there, this was a time period where you could do this. And, of course, in today's PC world, we can't do this, which is a shame in my opinion. But – and that's neither here nor there. What I'm getting at is I, I I adore this film. I just adore this film, and I I loved it. And there was that was one of the reasons why, man, was just the fact that it, it took me back to my childhood. But uh, you you knew within the first 20 minutes of this film to not take it serious and to just sit back, yeah, relax and have fun with it. And I and that's exactly what I did, Chris. Yeah, and I'll tell you for me, Eric. I like the way they introduced the characters, but I'll tell you, I think the producers and directors really nailed it as far as the comedy aspect goes in the pairing of certain characters. I mean, Burt Reynolds and Dom DeLuise are great together. You got the Rat Pack buddies and Dean Martin and Sammy Davis Jr. who are just, they're comic gold playing off of each other. And even Terry Bradshaw and Mel Tillis, I thought were really great from a comedic aspect in the film. So, yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I really enjoyed the first portion of the movie. So, as the cannonballers get ready to start, we see them all kind of mingling around, loading their cars for the race. Uh, The person in charge of the race kind of delivers the rules. Then the race begins. But before J.J. and Victor can take off, Victor has has to find a doctor for the ambulance. As they wait to leave, Fenderbomb happens to notice J.J. Of course, Blake tells him, hey, you don't need to worry about J.J. It's the blimp next to him that... that, uh, you have to worry about because when he puts on that mask, he'll kill you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, then we see Foyt and Pamela and they're kind of hidden behind beside the start line, trying to just write down the plates of all the cars that are, you know, in the race. Blake and Fenderbomb are preparing to leave when they both realize, Hey, who's going to drive? We're too drunk to drive, but that's okay. Cause you know, Blake just jumps in and takes off. Victor finds a doctor for the ambulance and introduces him to JJ. And it's Dr. Nicholas Van Helsing, who is a proctologist with an obvious problem with, uh, I think, booze and prescription drugs. So JJ and Victor get in the, in the ambulance and they're arguing about Victor's cousin backing out. And they're not having a female patient for the ambulance when they come across an accident. Well, as it turns out, 
Pamela and Foyt were involved in the accident. So Pamela asks him for help, and JJ tells Foyt, hey, just go get in the back. And he grabs up grabs up Pamela, and they take off before Foyt can actually get in the ambulance. So Pamela realizes, hey, I've been kidnapped, and asks Victor for help. But Victor kind of creeps her out a little bit when she he starts talking about him. Jump over to Marcy and Jill, who are pulled over, but who get out of a ticket by using, shall we say, their assets? How about bosoms? <laughs> okay, that works too. <laughs> Back in the ambulance, Pamela is dwelling on the fact that she's been kidnapped. Just then, you know, you got some berry and cherries coming up behind them. They're about to be pulled over. She's refusing to help. So Dr. Van Helsing threatens to inject her to elicit her help. Well, she's not very comfortable with that. So he shows her, hey, there's nothing to it. I do it to myself all the time. She eventually decides she's going to help with a little bit of help from uh, some nitrous oxide. The cops, you know, let him go when they find out uh, it's an ambulance and they're on a mission with the senator's wife. They let him go and they kind of continue on the race. As the race goes on, Fenderbaum and Blake, who, by the way, are dressed as uh, priests in a red Ferrari, (laughs) want J.J. and Victor to pull over so they can bless them. (laughs) So they pull over. And as J.J. is talking to Blake, Fenderbaum lets the air out of their tire. So we go a few minutes ahead. They have to stop and fill up the gas tank. J.J.'s filling up the tank and he sees a cop sitting by the side of the road. and He goes over and warns them about these fake priests in a red Ferrari. And he tells them that they're armed sex offenders. This leads to a great scene, I think, between Fenderbaum, Blake and the cop. I mean, it's great. We then see J.J. and Victor park the ambulance on the back of a semi to get through a roadblock. At the roadblock, they get through, as does Seymour. Terry and Mel, they're not so lucky. We then jump ahead to the Chinese team who are involved in a police chase of their own. The Sheik stops for some burgers along the way here, and he meets a waitress who he decides he wants in his harem. Yeah. (laughs) That's just great. And again, another scene that could not be done today. Correct, right? Yeah. Oh, Lord. Uh, Of course, Pamela at this point is having a conversation with Victor about him. Victor was telling her kind of how Captain Chaos came to be. About this time, the Chinese team is entering New Mexico, but for some reason just turn their car around. Hop over to the, the girls who once again have been pulled over for speeding. This time they don't get out of the uh, ticket quite the same way as they were pulled over by pretty much an equally hot female officer. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I would like to know if I ever got pulled over by a highway patrolman where that outfit is. <laughs> you're you're not going to see it in the state of Ohio. No, no, that's which, for sure. Which, by the way, did you like the way they kind of portrayed the state of Ohio? Kind of well, mentioned like, it was the only state that might have a death penalty for speeding. Yeah. It just it was instead of flyover, it was driveover, right? Right. Right. <laughs> so. After this, we jump ahead to, to find Seymour again, who's also being chased by the police. Of course, in true James Bond fashion, he just hits him with a smoke screen and oil slick. However, the car fills up with smoke, yeah. making it very uncomfortable for him and his friend. Well, then we jump back to the Chinese team, and as his partner sleeps, Jackie Chan decides to uh, turn on a little entertainment. So he pops a porno in the... Uh, <laughs> In the car's uh, video system. Of course, he nearly wrecks the car at this point. And the Chinese team end up off the road and in the middle of an off-road race when they get... A a Baja. (laughs) Yeah, they're they're Baja when they get stuck. And they unveil this rocket, which just propels them out of the situation. Well, shortly after this, we catch up with pretty much everybody who's involved in the race as they're stuck in a traffic jam. During the wait, J.J. and Victor end up in a little bit of a confrontation with Blake and Fenderbaum, which is just hilarious. And then a motorcycle gang pulls up to a bar. 
and begins hassling, hassling Brad and Shaky. This Which, is, by the way, did you notice who Pete, the leader of the gang was in that movie? Yeah, Peter Fonda, wasn't it? Peter Fonda. That's right. So. Born to be wild. It starts to become a, yeah. <laughs> when it starts to become a little violent, Captain Chaos is ready to get involved. So he and the rest of the cannonballers jump in. Of course, uh, these bikers grab Marcy and Jill, and Captain Chaos goes on on the attack and single-handedly takes out six of them. Jackie Chan, in true Jackie Chan fashion, provides just some awesome karate action. Uh, after Jackie, Victor, and the other cannonballers dispatch of the gang, they rush back to their cars to get back on the road. That was kind of, I think, the second section of this film. Eric, what were your thoughts at this point? So what I loved about this film is the action, the comedy, and how it it it, it, it speeds the film along. You watch this film, and it's not a very long movie, Chris. Um, I forget the runtime. It was like, what, like an hour and maybe 30-some or 40-some minutes? It was like right that. at an hour and a half, if maybe not a little less. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's not a long movie. But the the action and the the speed at which the film moves along, it feels so fast when it's done. And a lot of movies, they catch themselves in a little bit of quicksand in the in the middle part of a film and not this one. This baby, this baby just picks up and it's like we're just going to. In true cannonball fashion, we're just gonna fly through this movie as fast as we can, and uh, and you and that that shows, and I yeah. loved it. I, I really loved it. My small attention span enjoys this movie. Yeah, I'm with you. And again, for me, it's all about the comedy. Like you said, a lot of it not politically correct. Uh, we would not be able to, you know, make this film in today's environment. But I'll tell you, I loved it. And like you, I love the way that the action, the comedy. The, the the sports aspect, it just all flows together. It, you know, it just intertwines really well. So as we begin the final segment of the movie, all the racers are in their car and headed for the finish. As everyone's passing the ambulance, you know, JJ and, and Pamela, they're sitting there getting on Victor. Hey, you know, drive faster, drive faster. Drive like him would drive. Well, after a couple seconds, JJ's like, okay, I'm done. I'm getting a beer. And Captain Chaos shows up. And the captain's driving in and out of traffic, passing up everyone. As they're less than 10 blocks away from the finish line, there's a major collision. And the racers take off on foot. Very reminiscent of uh, maybe that's where uh, Talladega Knights got the idea. Yeah. <laughs> At the end. Yeah. But it comes down to Captain Chaos. And Marcy, who are on foot racing, the captain's in the lead. When it happens, Eric, a woman cries for someone to help her baby. Of course, the captain has to go to her and Marcy wins the race. Captain Chaos saves the woman's baby, which happens to turn out to be her dog. JJ is angry, begins berating Victor, tells him he's sick Captain Chaos, rips his mask off, tells him he's done with the ridiculous annex. And tells Victor there will be no more Captain Chaos. But you know what, Eric? That's okay. Because Victor always wanted to be Captain USA. <laughs> so about this point, Foyt shows up and he's just freaking out. So Seymour gives him a cigar and tells him, hey, you know, go relax in my car. Just kind of chill out a little bit. Thinking, of course, that the car is going to eject him when he hits the lighter. Well. When that didn't happen, Moore goes to see what happens. It ends up injecting, ejecting himself into the ocean. And then as the film closes, you see the camera pull away. All the racers celebrating to just some really cheesy music. So, Eric, that, that pretty much wraps up the cannonball run. But before I get your thoughts, let me just say to the listeners, if you have not seen this film, make sure you watch the credits for the outtakes. Yes. Because they are hilarious. Captain Captain America. <laughs> Captain America. Yeah. That and God is my co-pilot. Those are my two favorites. Yeah. Where's he going to sit? Really good. So, Those are really so good. So, Eric, your thoughts on the Cannonball Run? 
Yeah, I'm glad I watched it. Um, it. It's not the greatest film ever made. Okay, you can't go in this thing thinking you're gonna sit down and 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 get um, great cinematography or uh, great dialogue. But if you want to sit down and reminisce of the past and have a good chuckle and see some pretty cool stunts uh, with cars that you know and, and things of that nature. This is your film. Again, it doesn't take long to watch it. Uh, so if you don't have, you know, two to three hours of time to, uh, you know, pop this thing in, pop you some popcorn uh, if you have an early night and you're going to be entertained. And that's what I love about this film, Chris, is when it's all said and done, you're entertained. And at the end of the day, isn't that what film is supposed to be? Entertainment. Absolutely. You know, so much today, it's 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 politically driven or ideologically driven, and they try to make a point or or to push along an agenda. This film has absolutely no agenda at all. It is just an absolute, you know, fun fest where it's basically like we're just here to have fun, man, and we have a bunch of. Uh, Hollywood A-list actors who just wanted to get together and make something funny, and it it, it they hit a home run. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree, Eric. And let me tell you, it's sexist, it's racist, it's raunchy, and I love every minute of it. <laughs> it's a great movie, uh, you know, as far as maybe not artistically great, but it is a great movie, like you said, if you want to enjoy a good laugh. And I'll tell you, the sequel is a right about on the same level. It really nice. is. It's, it's very good as well. Nice. But Eric, that leaves us just a little bit of business, and that is for us to put the cannonball run into our flick chart. But before we do one question, is it a sports movie? Is it not a sports movie? It's definitely a sports movie. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I it's, think you, you've got a race, mm-hmm. you've got a martial artist mm-hmm. and you got an all pro quarterback. Yeah. It's got to be a sports movie, right? It absolutely is a sports movie. It, it absolutely is. And, um, you know, I'm not going to argue with you if if we're going to start to include things such as um, Hunger Games as a sports movie, then this definitely is a sports movie. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. So, Eric, let's hop onto that flick chart. Let's get the cannonball run ranked. Absolutely. Right off the bat from 2014, Kevin Costner's draft day. I love draft day. I think cannonball run is going to end up somewhere in this area. But for me, I want to go cannonball run here. Yeah. You know, I, I can't say that I disagree with you, Eric. Um, draft day is a very good movie. Probably honestly the better film, but I, if I'm going to watch one today, it, it's going to be cannonball run. All right, from 2000, The Replacements. I'm going to go with Keanu Reeves and The Replacements. Yeah, I'm definitely going with The Replacements here. From 2015, The Bronze. Oh, geez. Both raunchy. Yeah. You know, I think I'll take Cannonball Run here. I think I want to agree with you. Let's go with Cannonball Run and see where this leads us to. From 1999, Any Given Sunday. Hmm. Oh, any given Sunday, Eric. Oh, you, that was so definite from you. I'm not going to take, not going to flip from 1994 D to the mighty ducks. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. You, you know, I, I could go either way on this one. I like D two. In fact, I think I might like D two better than I like the original. I, I'm with you on that. Uh, you know, what, let me go cannonball run here. Okay, yeah, let's do it. Cannonball Run. All right, next up from 1996, Jerry Maguire. I'm I'll tell you go. what, I'm going to take Cannonball Run here, even though, again, Jerry Maguire might be the better movie. I like the action. I like the fact it doesn't lag. I'm going with Cannonball Run. Let's flip for it. Heads, Jerry Maguire. From 1993, Cool Runnings. Give me Cool Runnings. Oh, yeah, Cool Runnings here. And that means Cannonball Run is going to now be sitting at number 44 on our flick chart. So from 40 to 50, number 40, Any Given Sunday. Number 41, The Legend of Bagger Vance. Number 42, Jerry Maguire. 43, Cool Runnings. 44, The Cannonball Run. 45, D2, The Mighty Ducks. 46, Foxcatcher. 47, American Underdog. 48, The Express. 49, The Bronze. And 50, Wildcats. 
Not a bad segment there. Yeah, pretty good that's, grouping. That's a, that's a pretty good group of movies. All I right, would say Eric, that I would it. say that grouping is fun. Yes, very fun. Although you know, Foxcatcher's got a little little bit of uh, that one not so much serious undertone, but <laughs> sure. So Eric, why don't you tell us what we are going to be watching for our next episode? So I mentioned that we're in the dog days of summer, which always to me screams baseball, and I'm going to pick my favorite. Now, I shouldn't say my favorite. My second favorite baseball movie. It is the highest ranked baseball movie on our flick chart, and that is Field of Dreams. We've talked about Kevin Costner. It's almost time for that Field of Dreams baseball game that they started a year ago in the major leagues to come. It's going to be between my Cincinnati Reds and the hated Chicago Cubbies. And I want to revisit Field of Dreams. Let's go back and watch that and see if they build it, if they will come. Yeah, I love it. Great choice. Uh, you know, you said your second favorite baseball movie. I thought maybe you were going to talk about the Sandlot too. That's my the, favorite, but uh, yeah. No, no, I said the Sandlot too. Oh gosh, no, that's my least favorite. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and that does it for today's show. Please remember to rank and review our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you access your podcasts. Also, make sure you're following us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash varsity videos. Until next time, see you on the field, on the court, and in the theaters. Good night, everyone. Good night.